once you kind of start outlining what you're doing on a daily basis, you're going to be amazed on how much time you spend on non-productive activities or activities that cost so little for somebody else to do. Welcome, ladies, to the Real Estate Investor Show, providing inspiration, strategies, and insight to empower women investors to live balanced and financially free lives. Now, here are your co-hosts, Liz and Andressa. So in today's episode, ladies, we have Anna Lee. She is a serial entrepreneur and got her start outsourcing and hiring VAs when she was in another country and was flipping and wholesaling here in America. What she did then is built a company that was very successful in helping other people hire VAs. And that's what we break down on today's episode. And what I like about this episode is that we're going step-by-step on how you, you, yes, high achiever women listening to this episode can unlearn what's holding you back from pulling the trigger and outsourcing it. So we, we talk about the mindset. We also talk about the vetting process, the management process, and how can you set yourself up for success. Before we hear about Anna's story, let's hear a word from our sponsors. You're trying to close on your next rental, so why is your insurance company dragging its feet? With long lead times and never-ending paper forms, it's no wonder it takes forever to finally get a policy. Modern investors deserve better. They deserve Steadily.com. At Steadily.com, you'll get fast, affordable landlord insurance available online 24-7 in just a few clicks. You can even get next-day coverage, which takes just minutes, by the way, to obtain. And you can do it all from your phone. Steadily was founded by landlords who created insurance products tailored to the unique needs of this industry. It's their sole focus, and that's why landlords nationwide consistently rate them 4.8 out of 5 stars. So whether you've got a single-family, short-term, or multifamily portfolio, Steadily.com can secure the best coverage at the best price to protect your properties. Discover how Steadily can save you both time and money on your rental property insurance. Visit Steadily.com for a commitment-free quote tailored to your needs today. Hey guys, it's Liz. Before we get into the episode, I wanted to remind you that time is running out and you have four weeks left to get your ticket to InvestorCon 2024, the number one premier conference for women in real estate. It's happening from June 2nd to 4th in Austin, Texas. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit investhercon.com today and use the code 100podcast to get $100 off your ticket. That's investhercon.com and use the promo code 100podcast to get $100 off your ticket. Welcome back, everyone. This is Liz. And this is Andressa. Welcome back to the Real Estate Invest Her Show. Our mission is to empower women to live a financially free and balanced life. We're so excited to have Anna Lee on our show here today. We're going to be getting into probably one of my favorite subjects, outsourcing, delegating. And I, I have so much to learn. So I'm literally have my pen in my hand and my notepad because I'm just pumped because we all need to learn how to do this in a better way. So Anna, thanks so much for being on our show. Thanks for sharing your wisdom with us today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. All right. So we have a lot of questions, right, Andrea? So we're ready. So let's dive in. First one is this. What lesson has taken you the longest to learn? (laughs) It's probably right right on the tip of the month, right? We're talking about outsourcing today. And I think this probably the lesson, you know, try to outsource as fast as possible. Uh, Anything and everything in life, whatever you do. I mean, I grew up in, in the household of strong women. Everyone was doing everything, you know, and... I think that kind of came as a point of pride 
but you really don't want to kind of kill yourself towards the end of that. So uh, for me, probably that's that's the unlearning that I'm doing and I'm still doing that. Um, and probably that's the biggest lesson for a lot of women that, you know, if I can leave this podcast with anything, it's just, you know, do less. I totally agree with you. And I think that the women that are listening to our podcast that come to our conference, they are very like high achievers. They're like masters in figuring things out on their own and be creative, just the doers and go for it. And that out, that's what brought them here, right? That's what made them super successful. But the conversations that we are having with them right now, that that can be the Achilles as well. And that can hold them back from taking the business to the next level. And most important from them to buying time and, and have the freedom for them to do whatever they want. Here's the, here's the thing, Anna. They know that. They know that. It's not like, oh, I never heard about virtual assistant, right? And if that's you listening to me right now, say me, <laughs> because I know that it's not like, okay, I know that. The challenge is that how do they go from here to really like, I'm going to do it. There's this blockage. And I don't know about your experience with work, working so many entrepreneurs, how they can pass, overcome that blockage of really like, I know what I need and I am doing it. What is holding women back in your opinion? I think probably uh, a lot has to do with cultural norm. And I think we do that to other women too, right? We set those high standards and we say, you know, I'm doing all of that. Right. And, and then so the other woman is probably looking at the same example and like, oh, my God, I'm not doing enough. And they're kind of pouring more on the, their shoulders. I think it starts with conversations like this. Right. First, you do give a permission to everyone else. It's not like anyone is looking for permission, but sometimes we need to hear it from a third party. Yeah. And we need to say and empower other women that we see. And it's almost like an obligation as as you have a friend, as you have, you know, relative uh, and, uh, you know, another fellow investor, you're obligated to tell them, I think you're putting yourself to the ground, right? Like you, you're obligated to tell them that you have to do less. And, you know, I, I think I always kind of go back to this comparison of on the airplane, you're never going to feel bad about putting a mask first to yourself and then to your ch child. Yeah. Right? In a normal situation, you probably would run to save your child. But on the airplane, they explain to you, you have to take care of yourself first, because if you faint, you'll never help your child. So I think it's the same thing, right? If you're going to be drained out from energy, you're never going to kind of succeed in your business, right? If you're drained from energy, you're not showing up amazing as, a, as an amazing mom, wife, or whatever you are, right, to your family. So and then I, I think it just kind of kind of comes back to start with yourself. You have to fulfill yourself first get all that energy back, get all that, you know, I don't know, I haven't been exercising in a while and I recently came back and I'm in a class of a lot of elderly women because, <laughs> you know, I, I I don't work anymore, you know, my W2 job so I can go morning classes and, and I'm exercising with elderly women and I'm way, way less stronger than them. And I'm just looking at them like, what's happening? I was like thinking about doing that so I feel good about myself, but as you were saying, I'm changing my mind because they might they might feel they might have so much more energy than I am. I'm not doing that anymore. That was okay. <laughs> aboard that plan. And the biggest difference is they they retired a little bit 
you know, maybe like 10 years ago versus me. And it's kind of odd. You don't have to wait until you retire to take care of yourself. So that's probably the biggest lesson for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I, I think, I think we need to stop encouraging women to do it all. We yeah. really do. Like in our, in our circles, uh, there was a woman in my community that was going through a lot and not asking for help. She's literally killing herself, got into a car accident, like really bad. And the text chain of my friends were like sending, they were sending Wonder Woman images. And I'm like, she needs help. And she doesn't even see that she needs help. Like I, I want to have that conversation with her. I don't want to tell her she's Wonder Woman. I mean, God bless her. She's doing it all, but it's, it's literally killing her and causing accidents. Right. So anyway, we need to be mindful of that in our circles. I love that. So you got your experience. I know you have experience um, investing overseas and flipping overseas. Was that where your passion for outsourcing came from? Yes. Uh, it probably not even a passion. It started with a need. Yeah. That passion implies <laughs> a, a very big term, but <laughs> it, 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 it kind of became, you know, it was, it was impo- impossible. Um, my husband and I and our kids, we moved uh, to Switzerland about five or six years ago. Um, I was still employed with my corporate job. Uh, it was an amazing opportunity, you know, nothing wrong with that, but um, I was dabbing into sort of kind of business as my husband was continue, continues kind of continuously invested in real estate. And, you know, from him to run the business, he had to have boots on the ground. But, you know, every business needs a back office support. Right. And I was just dabbing into wholesaling. So, you know, physically, I was incapable of doing anything in my business. Right. You know, not only there was a time difference, but also there was a full-time job, right? Yeah. I, I have three kids on top of that. So came out of necessity. I just had to research virtual assistance for um, basically a lead generation. Um, and that's how I kind of started. But then I just got addicted, right? So, it, you know, it's almost like a blessing in disguise, right? I didn't realize that, you know, that's something that will propel me so drastically. I didn't know even back then that, you know, that one little change in my life will, will affect so many aspects of my life in general. So for, for those, those women right now that they're, they're about to, to hire their first virtual assistant and we are calling them VAs here, women. If, if you see, you hear us saying VAs is we're referring to virtual assistant. So they're, they're looking to do that right now. They're not so confident about the process of hiring and I, I don't think that based on everything that we have been through in our business, building a, a team in the U.S. and overseas, eating dirt back and forth a couple of times, I, I don't think I can emphasize enough the importance of the vetting process and fully understanding um, if if you are a good match with that person. So. What are your recommendations when somebody's looking to hire uh, their first VA? What are the red flags that they should be aware of and what they should be focusing on? Sure. Um, you know, definitely use the role of hire slow, fire fast, right? Um, never kind of feel intimidated. That's another part of, you know, us being women in general, we always kind of feel intimidated everywhere, right? And, and just in general. So never be intimidated to ask for more. Um, and then it, it kind of applies both during the interview process when you have that, you know, referral uh, gathering and anything else that during the interview process, but also as you hire them, ask for more in terms of the KPIs. So 
When you look for someone, you want to uh, set up clear expectations uh, when you even create your job description, right? As you post it, you want to have a, an amazing vetting process because, you know, if you're going to look for people anywhere, right, online, you're going to probably have 50 to 100 candidates. If you're already a busy woman, right, you probably don't have time. And and that sort of like derails the whole process. Sometimes you you have your 100 applicants sitting in your inbox. And you're like, oh, my God, I just don't want to do, do that, right? So uh, find a way to um, get down to the easier process of kind of vetting through the list of applicants right away. Like I pers- personally use Google Forms and then we kind of use Excel and quickly kind of narrow it down to the list of, um, you know, potential candidates to be interviewed. Then you have to interview quite a lot of people, right? It, it kind of, it's a, it's a game of statistics, similar to any lead gen process. You know, you generate 100 leads, you maybe have 10 of them warm and you convert one. It's very similar to that. So interview a lot of people and then, you know, find your one candidate that um, would be kind of absolutely rock star. But I would probably bank on like top three or five uh, in the very beginning just to kind of narrow down among that smaller group of people. I love what you're saying about the analogy comparing the type of investments that we do in in real estate and just transferring that mentality to investing on teams. Why do you think a lot of the investors don't invest time into building a team? I think everything comes from sort of like personal kind of blockages and programs. I I always kind of get back down to that. Um, not being able to trust people comes from personal kind of fears, right? That maybe some like people were kind of hurt at once and may, may not, not even be related to business at all. Uh, so trust issues in general, I'd say like start with you. Anything that's kind of like blocking you, start with yourself, right? So why am I not trusting people, right? Or why am I not believing that I'm capable of growth, right? There's a fear of, you know, if I'm growing, maybe there's another kind of societal stigma then, you know, growing is bad because. XYZ. Or if I make a lot of money, it's bad because XYZ, right? So there's a lot of kind of personal fears that I see in a lot of entrepreneurs and growth in general. But once they kind of overcome that fear, then there becomes this, well, I can do it better faster. You can do it better faster only to your own capacity. And then you're still going to maximize that capacity, right? So you can you cannot grow beyond yourself. So then I'd say, it's okay if you hire people, they do it slower. They do it maybe not to the same quality as you are. Eventually, they'll get to that level. And what, they may never do it as perfect as you are because you set yourself a high standard that you, yeah. even you cannot achieve, right? So um, just let that part go and then you'll see how much you're going to grow. So that's probably you know, one of the biggest learnings for me too, I I had to let go of so many things. So what are the first steps, right? Because it it, could feel a little overwhelming when you, when you start to say, okay, I'm going to go hire someone. There's companies that do it for you. There's, you know, different strategies. You go do it yourself, but like, what's that first step? Obviously, like you're saying, clear expectations, the vetting process. Is there anything else though, that women really need to get clear on before they even embark on that clarity of the role and and actually the process. Is there any other? And I understand what you're saying about the block it blocks. But what's that first step? Like what you know? What's that literally the first step that I can do? Um, even to choose who I what what I need them to do. Absolutely. You you kind of pointed it out with with your question. 
I, I talk with so many people who know they need to outsource. They just really don't even know what to start with. Um, they're just overwhelmed and they haven't formalized what they overwhelmed with. And I think you just have to sit down and kind of go through this process, list out everything that you do. I know it may sound annoying and another waste of time. Yet again, I have to do something else. But <laughs> I guarantee you, absolutely, once you kind of start outlining what you're doing on a daily basis, you're going to be amazed on how much time you spend on non-productive activities or activities that cost so little for somebody else to do. So one one of the tips that I, I, I normally kind of advise a lot of my customers is that not only create a list of what you do, but also then put the list into two different buckets. One bucket is your $10 and below activities, and the other bucket is $200 and above. I purposely eliminate anything in between. There's a difference between going from 10 to 200 because a lot of people ask me, well, what if it's a $50 activity? <laughs> no, I purposely do that because then you almost like forcing yourself to put, yeah, it's kind of more like under $10 or no, it's so productive. It is above $200. And, you know, maybe it's something client facing where you actually close that deal or make that sale, whatever that is. Or maybe it has that human connection. Maybe that $200 value brings you at a human connection level, right? So once you get that to that list, it's going to be very apparent what you need to outsource first. Top real estate investors love to talk about how they save so much on taxes, but how are they able to build rental property empires while skirting Uncle Sam? 1031 exchanges. 1031 exchanges allow you to defer capital gains taxes while you sell an investment property, exchanging your old property for a bigger, better one and avoiding the tax man while you do it. And that's where First American Exchange Company comes in. They're the leaders in 1031 exchanges. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just starting, First American Exchange can help you with simple rental property exchanges, complex commercial real estate investments, reverse exchanges, and more. Don't let your taxes eat into your profits. Visit First American Exchange Company at firstexchange.com. Or call them at 800-556-2520. That's firstexchange.com. Or 800-556-2520. Keep your money in your pocket and propel your portfolio further at firstexchange.com. First American Exchange Company does not provide tax or legal advice. Consult your financial, real estate, tax, or legal advisor about your circumstances. First American Exchange Company. Safe, smart, secure. I couldn't love this more. And you guys are going to be seeing and hearing me say, Listen, this is a $10. This is $10, $10 activity. Because I think that when we start having those conversations with the women in our community, we create this language where, where we understand. And, and if they're listening and if they're applying everything that you're saying, there's no way that I'm not going to either send a reminder or, you know, for any activity. And I was like, well, hold on a second. This is a $10 activity. I shouldn't be doing that. You know, one thing that we hear a lot. Well, before, before I hired them or the person, I just didn't need to do some cleanup. It's like cleaning your house before the cleaning lady or the cleaning guy comes in. Everyone does that. And I was like, wait, <laughs> maybe that's their purpose to do it. And I, you know, normal cultures or anything else. The second thing that we hear a lot is, 
I don't know if I can afford them. And I think there's so many misconceptions. And I would like you to to talk a little bit more about what have you seen? Sure, absolutely. In terms of um, cleanup, it's it's probably the most common thing that I see people not sort of making that first step. And it never sort of happens because they're not cleaning up for a reason even now, right? So there's nobody else who's going to kind of do it. So they're always going to be stuck in that phase one. Um, the second part in terms of not being able to afford, there's just so many ways of affording, let's say, a support, right? And it comes from different sort of places, right? You know, I see a lot of women still cleaning their houses, right? And I'm such a clean freak, OCD. I needed to have like the perfect level of a cleaner. <laughs> doesn't mean you can't really find somebody there. And I, I can't believe that I was, you know, priding myself, you know, I'm at a certain level at my corporate job, right? Like at a senior level position, and yet I'm still vacuuming and I'm priding myself. I can do it all, right? <laughs> so this is absolutely a nonsense, right? And, you know, look look around your house. Outsource first things that take a lot around your house because they're just, they're just draining. I mean, do something that you actually like. I don't know, some people like baking. I personally like, um, you know, showering the snow. Like this is my most, favorite activity because you outside uh, fresh air, but something that's draining you just outsource that first. The second part about not being able to afford and how you can afford it. There's so, just so many ways. First of all, an average virtual assistant in the Philippines is about $5 an hour. That's if you hire yourself. If you hire through an agency, maybe double that cost, but nonetheless. Um, second part, do you have to hire full-time? Can you hire part-time? So that's another cost saving. Third, um, I personally, in some of my uh, business-related activities, actually share a VI with somebody else, right? So think about all other ways on how you can cut down the cost even further, right? And then also kind of go even back and ask yourself a question. Um, What is your end goal? Are you in a sort of like trying out phase all the time? Or are you in? Are you going to be always that very small business doing maybe one rental a year, or what? Or your goal is to grow 10x, right? So, and I think naturally, probably everyone would be like, "No, I want to grow 10x." Like, I, I don't want to be stagnant. And in order for you to grow, you absolutely have to have a team around you to help you grow. So, what's your sort of like ROI? on investing into a team member, right? Start little by little. And, you know, you do the analysis all the time. What's your ROI on investing in Burr or, you know, next flip or whatever? It's the same thing, right? Invest your, you know, you know in, into a team and then think about what are you going to do once you free up your time? Because that's the third part that I'm not, not, not necessarily hearing, but I'm seeing with a lot of people. They'll outsource their tasks to a VA. And then they're like, oh, I'm going to go watch Netflix, right? So probably that has zero ROI. But if you think that you're going to be generating some productive conversation, education, you know, growing your network, whatever it is, that has an ROI, even if it's not tangible in the very beginning, probably will produce a result within the next six to nine months. Yeah, that's so true. So with regards to then managing VAs, I think that also is like the rubber meets the road. You hire someone, you found them. And it's like, depending on your own personality, you may or may not give enough detail. You know, you might give them some KPIs. What are some 
tips or strategies you can give the women listening to set them and the VA up for success? Because it's really, the, it's like, it's like finding the property, right? That's the easier part. It's really managing the project to, to really yield the most ROI. It's the same with a person, but there's no recipe to do that. And it varies. So is there a recipe? And what would you say are the systems, the processes, kind of the standards that you should uphold so that you can manage somebody, especially onboard them and manage them appropriately? I'd say I'd probably split the people into two kind of buckets, right? You probably either had an experience of managing people in your corporate life if you if you kind of come from there, or you've never managed people, whether you never managed people in corporate, you've never managed people, you've never worked for any, like anyone or anyone ever worked for you, right? So I would say if you ever managed people before rather successfully, kind of double down on what you already were doing before. It, it It's the same, right? Human sort of uh, persona applies and kind of the personalities applies everywhere. So however you were managing before, if you were successful, continue to manage the same way. If you've never managed people, I would correlate that to being a parent. You've never been a parent either, right? But you have somehow figuring this out on the way and look at what works the best with children. And I would say it's exactly the same thing with people because, you know, we're, we're all children at first, right? So what I would say, how do, how do children succeed the best? When they have schedule, when they have clear expectations, and when you follow through with consequences, right? So in, in the terms of employment, I would say uh, expectations that would be KPIs, right? I would like for you to generate 10 leads a week, or I would like for you to, you know, clean out my QuickBooks file and it has to be delivered by Wednesday. So those are the clear KPIs. You have to have measurable uh, expectations and results that you want them to deliver and at the right time. The second part is, um, it's, it's sort of kind of the consequences, right? You know, a person delivered on time, always great feedback, right? You know, this is amazing. I don't know what I would have done without you. Uh, if you're in a line of business that uh, justifies bonuses, apply bonuses to that equation. The same goes to the negative feedback or developmental feedback, right? Uh, non-deliverable metric on time or quality, whatever that is. It has to be just-in-time feedback. It doesn't work if you sort of kind of like, I don't know, we'll see how it goes. And you kind of keep on going, so you're delaying that. And then you know how it is with children sometimes too, right? You kind of like, you tell them, please finish you know, playing on your computer. Please finish, please finish. And then on the fourth time, as a parent, you end up yelling, right? So you don't want to apply that same strategy with the employees. You want to be clear you know, that this is the just-in-time feedback and then, you know, there are uh, subsequent consequences if it continues. So if you have maybe, I don't know, whatever your policy is, let's say you have three strikes for whatever the performance or each of the activities, um, and then let's talk about it. And I, I don't hesitate to fire fast because in the past, as a woman, I, I was always hesitant to do that. And I thought, oh my gosh, somebody is going to be out of job and uh, like, I'm such a bad person, but I actually turn it around and I said, I'm going to set that person free because they're suffering 
at doing what they're doing right now. There's a reason why they're not performing. They're suffering. They're not in a right place. So I'm going to set them free and I'm going to let them go. They're going to be so much happier with somebody else. So apply, apply that. You know, if you're not seeing performance in the first couple of weeks with any employee, I just let them go. One thing that I think can be applied to this scenario, it's like construction, right? We all want, let's say, the bathroom. We know what goes inside the bathroom. So that is that is the final goal. And having like those milestones to see, are we, are we um, reaching the milestones? How often would you recommend a one-on-one meeting for, for people? And then I don't like to do this, but I'll do it. A second question would be softwares and, and apps that we can use in order to facilitate this communication. Because there's nothing that makes me crazier is that like long emails or long text messages. That just doesn't, I don't think is efficient to anybody. But what would you recommend in terms of the communication face-to-face in different technologies that that people can use to um, manage the projects and the VA better? I personally use WhatsApp uh, only because WhatsApp kind of connects you globally. Everyone has a WhatsApp. Um, If it comes to, let's say, a very sort of like detailed deliverable or I need some sort of a file, whatever that is that needs to be kind of delivered, right? Then then you can kind of go back to email, uh, tangible asset. But if it's a daily communication, then it's it's always WhatsApp. We always use WhatsApp. We create groups. Um, you know, you could use Slack. You could use Discord. You know, your sort of software of choice. Uh, you can use project management software. You know, such as Asana or Monday or whatever it is. Um, it's 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 kind of your preference. The only reason why we're using WhatsApp is because it's immediately available to everyone, right? So like, I can the day of hire. We're all communicating right away. Everyone is on board um, and it kind of creates an ease of use. So this is your sort of like, imagine that you're in the real office. This is your day-to-day interaction. So WhatsApp becomes more like, you know, hey, quick question kind of thing, right? Um, And then deliverables are more communicated more formally, right? So that would be your project management software or whatever it is, you know, depending on what you're doing. In terms of constant communication with your team, I'd say in the very beginning, you want to do as much of that as possible, even to the point that you actually get to connect with somebody on a personal level. It's it's kind of go, goes beyond um, this is somebody in Philippines or in South America, or whatever it is that's doing something for me. And you almost like tend to sort of like disassociate yourself from from them. Um, I I don't recommend doing that. I almost kind of want to treat it the same way as you have a corporate team and you're trying to like have a team building activities. You can't really fly to Philippines. Maybe like maybe you can, but you know, how can you implement that? So I uh, in the very beginning have weekly meetings with my team to the point that, you know, highs and lows, like we spend five minutes, highs and lows, right? It's, it's not It's not a lot of time. But that's how I get to know the intricacy of their life, right? And that's how I get to appreciate how much I do for them and how much they do for me, right? So, you know, I'll just give you one example. One of my uh, VAs was kind of very ecstatic. They got a new car 
And, you know, they were sharing with a team and it turned out to be a Toyota Corolla 1995, right? That was a peak of their year. They reached that level where they could afford to buy that car, right? I mean, what does it give me? Like knowing that I'm supporting somebody in that opportunity to be able to afford that car and now his his family can go on vacations and kind of like not take a bus or whatever, it creates that personal connection. Right. So that, you know, we're not this like just kind of robots, right? Like working for each other, working with each other. We're kind of still on that human level. And, you know, I get to appreciate my team member, right? In in a totally different perspective, right? Because I live here in a in a completely different environment and it just opens up, you know, those little things. Um, and then the other associate kind of shared that uh she was on the beach with friends and some friends were in medicine like doctors somebody was a police officer somebody was a teacher some something else engineer and as she shared how much she was baking as a virtual assistant they all wanted to quit their jobs and start being virtual assistants <laughs> right it kind of gives you the level of you know sometimes we feel like oh my gosh, we pay them $5. Is this an underpayment, right? Like we all kind of have that guilt inside of us and, you know, we can pay so much higher here in the United States, but the the, the cost of living is so much lower in Philippines, for example, that you get to appreciate, oh my gosh, I am adding value to another human being. And it's, it's, a, it's a reciprocity that kind of comes along uh, with this. So I'd say in the very beginning, do meet with them weekly at a minimum. And always have those like quick quick check-ins, right? You can then have maybe a once a month type of one-on-one longer meetings where you get to just kind of overall talk to them. But um, the feedback supposed to be just in time. Like you don't have to wait for the next day. It's it's that moment, that minute uh, to communicate so that they know, oh my gosh, I did amazing. I'll kind of continue on that behavior or... I need to improve and and I'll know what to do. You're incorporating something that you can come back to each week or each time you connect with them. And it's like building upon itself. So that relationship is being built and that's important. Uh, I completely agree. Um, Anna, this has been great. Lots, lots to lots to kind of unpack on this topic, but this has been great. Where can the ladies listening learn more about you? You can either uh, check uh, my website, outsourceyourtasks.com. Or email me at Anna at OutsourceYourTask.com. I'm always happy to talk about this as a topic that's near and dear to my heart. Awesome. All this information you guys can find on our show notes. Now we're going to transition to our fabulous three questions. And the first one is, what's the most transformational book you ever read? Probably I'll I'll have to go back to... um, Rich Dad and Poor Dad, you know, my dad gave gave me that book to read. And at first I kind of dismissed that as, you know, what are you talking about? Like, it's all about corporate growth and whatever. And, you know, once once I actually was able to understand what it's all about, uh, definitely changed my perspective. So I'll probably keep, keep going back to that one. Second question is, what's the most powerful routine that you do to create a financially free and balanced life, whatever balance means to you? I'd say for my personal life right now, right? I have to start my day, right? So my mornings are all about meditation, exercise. Um, and then I kind of set the uh, perspective for the day um, and, 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 and then kind of go with um, how the day kind of unfolds for me. Uh, and routinely, I try to outsource as much as possible. Anytime I'm doing something where I tell myself, why am I still doing that? 
that's my routine right now. I, I kind of keep on outsourcing and it's a, it's the healing process that <laughs> keeps on going. Love that. Last question, which woman, famous or not, has inspired you the most? I'd say probably has to be all the women in my family, you know, my grandmothers, my mom, you know, my sisters, I have a lot of uh, strong women in it's interesting how you kind of learn to appreciate the struggle that they went through and understand that everything that they did is kind of to bring you up here. Um, and also unlearning a lot of that too. So it's kind of like a, for me, it came out to be more like a wave, right? Kind of getting to that same level and then unlearning and appreciating the reasoning why they had to be where they are and that I don't have to be right. So I could be a different example for future generations. So I just mm. I just appreciate all the women in my my family, my mom specifically. She's the strongest yet the most gentle woman I know. Uh and she allows me to feel to feel a daughter even at my age and you know, just kind of continue that relationship. So probably say my women in my family. Anna, thank you so much for being on our show. Thanks for sharing your 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 ideas and wisdom with with our community. Appreciate you and your time. Absolutely. Thank you guys. Thank you. If you enjoyed this podcast and want to receive updates on our next interviews, go to our website, therealestateinvestor.com. There, you can subscribe to our show, become part of our investor community, and get updates on upcoming episodes. If you like our show, please share with other women who would benefit. And don't forget to leave us a rating on iTunes. We'd really appreciate it. And as always, we encourage you to take one action as a result of today's show and put it into motion so you can live both a financially free and balanced life. Thanks for spending time with us. Ciao.